welcome to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. I'm your host, Tom Masters, and our guest today is conservationist and best-selling author Mark Owens. He's the author of Cry of the Kalahari, The Eye of the Elephant, and Secrets of the Savannah. Welcome. Thank you, Tom. Hey, Mark. How are you doing? Hey, Mark is a friend of mine, and you know him through my book, Back in Control. Um, he's the one that wrote the um, the forward to the book, and he is a person who I met in 2013 when he came to Seattle for a second opinion about a surgeon doing a 14-level spine fusion on his back. And so he had broken his back, fallen off a horse. He had a surgery to fix that. He developed severe chronic pain for about nine years. And they want, wanted to do more surgery on him. And I looked at his spine. I'm going, there's nothing wrong. And so long story short, over about six weeks, he started with the expressive writing, relaxation, learning about chronic pain, and his pain disappeared. And the reason why you've heard his podcast before, you know his story from my book. And just briefly, he and his wife Delia lived, ex-wife Delia lived for eight years in the Colorado Desert. They had incredible experience with dealing with preserving wildlife, mostly lions and elephants, had to deal with some very unpleasant people who tried to assassinate him three times, and really under tremendous amount of stress. And we read his book called The Cry of the Kalahari, The Eye of the Elephant, and The Secrets of the Savannah. You can't believe he does what he does. And my wife keeps calling him a modern Indiana Jones, and he is the real deal. So this guy's a really tough guy. We got taken out by chronic pain. So anyway, if you look at the forward of my book, Back in Control, you'll read a story about how he had the fractured spine. He almost froze to death in the mountain. They, they got him up going again. And then we worked with him at this Omega workshop in 2014. And what people get upset about, and why I have Mark here today, is that it's a miraculous story. It is a miraculous story. And it's not me. It's him connecting to his own capacity to heal but I also want to emphasize, people say, well, Mark did it so quickly. Why can't I? Well, he did it quickly. Some people do that. But life just isn't a straight line journey. Right, Mark? That's right. There are many, many relapses, and you have to expect those. Right. So I just want to I'm going to give you the preface and purpose of this podcast is that what the doc journey does or things like it. I'm not attached even to my own journey because we're just reflecting no medical data, but it's giving you tools to process adversity more quickly. So your body's physiology is more of an optimum state rather than being a survival physiology, fight or flight, you're in more of a safety physiology. And it's in that safety physiology is when you heal. So Mark, uh, you got better quickly. You've been through a fair number of things. So I think, what I'd like to start out with is that you developed a couple serious problems over the years, which we now sort of both recognize is probably due to sustained stress. Um, can you share that with us for a second? Uh, yes. Uh, first of all, I should probably explain the stressors that I have been under. Uh, for a decade in Africa, I worked in the country of Zambia, where poachers uh, in the northern end of the Rift Valley in Zambia, which is known as the Luangwa Valley. And when Delia and my wife at the time and I cited a project there after the Kalahari project, 
1986, um, we quickly discovered that, that the park, and it was only a park on paper. There were no roads, no buildings. There was no infrastructure whatsoever. It was just a chunk of raw wilderness with lines drawn around it by the British colonial government. Anyway, it was known as the Cinderella Park of, of uh, Zambia for its pristine state. Well, nobody could get in there except on foot, and that left that more or less eliminated everybody except the poachers who would hike in. But when we uh, finally flew in there and and started doing our reconnaissance for our project that we were going to site there, we quickly discovered that we were in the poacher shooting gallery. They were killing elephants a thousand a year, according to my aerial surveys, and they'd already killed a hundred thousand in the previous ten years before we got there in this one valley. Anyway, we set about trying to stop this, and I first started flying against the poachers. Um, the game scouts were all corrupt and on the take. The government itself was dealing in black market ivory. All the civil services were involved, pretty much everything. Uh, it was a mess and it was very dangerous. And um, I would dive on the poachers when I'd find them from the air and backfire the engine right over their heads to try to make them think that I was shooting at them and try to dissuade them and chase them away and out of the park, et cetera. Um, they fired back, of course. They hit me four times one night and uh, in the starboard wing with an AK-47, but it didn't, uh, uh, it didn't um, hit anything vital that went through the skin of the wing but and came out the top. But, um, you know, that's the kind of thing. And then they came to camp three times and tried to assassinate me in camp. And uh, then the government trumped up charges against me and tried to have the criminally charged um and um the poaching continued but the poachers changed their tactics and they started to poach at night so i started flying at night and that meant i had to fly low level in the dark many times on instruments uh i had to use the topography to hide behind so i wouldn't get shot at or hit at least and um uh so i would be gone for hours every night um and delia my wife's time was left alone in camp wondering whether i'd come back alive or come back at all and uh uh yeah that that's the kind of thing that i went through for years for more than a decade and uh and in the end we had to leave zambia because According to the U.S. ambassador, if we'd stayed for another 24 hours, the U.S. government would never would not have been able to guarantee our life or our liberty. And that's a quote from the ambassador. Wow. So we finally had to leave and come back home. And um, so that's somehow stress. I survived. Yeah. So that's stress. Yeah, I didn't I didn't realize you were under that much stress. I thought you were fighting at flying at night, having people shooting AK-47s at you. I mean, that's unbelievable. Wow. So, so I want to jump way ahead in the story. So I want to get to the meat of this whole thing. So you, you bought a ranch in Idaho and the, right. as a preserve for grizzlies and wolves and the ranchers weren't very happy with you. So in a way you get in the same situation as with the poachers also, although not as dangerous, not great. And it was during this period of time that you're thrown off your horse, broke your back, almost died from hypothermia 
and you had surgery to repair your spine, which is appropriate, but that was a point in time you should develop chronic pain. My point being, and you already know this, is that normally with a surgery like that, you do the surgery, it's a big operation, but 95% of the time people heal and there's no pain. You develop chronic pain. And the problem is when you operate in the right. presence of that kind of stress, I mean, you had a lot of stress. You had the stress of Africa, moving to the United States, doing a ranch, fighting with the ranchers and the politicians here. You had a lot on your plate when you broke your back. Right. I and did. Um, so that's in the context of how people do develop chronic pains under chronic stress. And it's not psychological that your brain itself is thrown off inflammatory proteins called cytokines. So your brain's inflamed. Your nerves are sensitized. Right. Your body chemistry is way off. And the chronic pain you developed over the next nine years was really bad. Yes, it was extraordinarily bad. Uh, there were times I couldn't get up off the floor. Um, it would take me minutes to get out of bed in the morning when I'd waken because I couldn't immediately put my full weight on my feet because that would cause my back to really give me pain and act up uh i at one point i got to the barn to feed my horses and had to <laughs> crawl back to the house because i was in such pain and um that went on for nine years and and then i had i had a second surgery actually to fix that and um uh that was in 2012 i believe and uh then i really started having pain <laughs> Right. Well, I mean, I just want to tell the I just want to tell the audience the data on that. So Mark had a fusion in his in his thoracic spine of about eight levels. Then right below that, he had a degenerated disc at lumbar two and lumbar three. So again, disc degeneration is shown not to be a cause of pain. Period. And when he came to me, he had degeneration at three, four, four, five, and five one. Basically, the three discs below his fusion. And just like that, the L two three disc fusion not only did not work, it made things worse. They wanted to fuse his entire spine down to the pelvis, which would have destroyed him pain-wise. But the data also shows when he operate in the presence of chronic pain, that the pain gets worse at least 40% of the time. 40% of the time, you have a higher chance of make, becoming worse than you actually solving the problem. So you're doing surgery on a disc or a structure that's been shown not to be a source of the pain. And Mark and I have talked about this before because when patients have gone through multiple surgeries, they find this out it doesn't make you very happy. In fact, it makes you sort of angry. And Mark was, Mark was pretty desperate when he came to see me. He had three surgeons say, look, we need to fuse you from your neck to your pelvis. It's probably not going to work. And Mark, what was the term that they used for that operation? <laughs> they were offering me the, me the blue plate special. <laughs> right. So, we, the, so it's a long story, but I, I, it just doesn't work. In other words, there's no data that says digital generation causes pain, nor does doing spinal deformity help pain, nor is it the cause of pain. And it turns out that chronic pain is defined as a neurological problem. It's memorized pain circuits. It doesn't matter what you do. It's like phantom limb pain, but it could occur in any part of the body. So jumping forward, long story short, Mark started the writing exercises. Within three days, his pain was better. He went to our workshop back in New York. Within six weeks, his pain was gone. And then that's where people get upset. Because, well, guy, Mark had nine years of chronic pain. He was on high dose narcotics. He came out of pain in like six or eight weeks. Why can't that happen to me? 
So Mark, I would like to discuss first of all, the, this is a big problem that I have with patients of mine because I've done, I'm the surgeon who tried to do surgery. I did do surgery people, but I tried to salvage failed spine surgery, which is hard to do. I mean, the surgeries are challenging, they're long, they have complications. And then people, again, unless you do the rehab part of it, don't get better anyway. But it doesn't make you very happy to think that you had surgeries and procedures that probably were not going to help anyway. No, it certainly, it certainly doesn't. <laughs> uh, you, it was obviously, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I'll just say one more time. I mean, one of the biggest issues I have with people that have had surgeries when they go through the healing process, the term they use is disturbingly simple, but they quickly realize that the surgeries they had weren't necessary. So a lot of pain, a lot of risk, a lot of suffering, a lot of times catastrophic results. That's why I did write my book called Do You Really Need Spine Surgery to actually clarify this whole issue because probably 70% of surgery shouldn't be done. So when you're the person who goes through, wait a second, I'm pain-free. I mean, I didn't need those surgeries. When you're angry, anger fires up pain circuits. And so one of the things I deal with pretty regularly is patients that are angry at their surgeons. And, and you weren't very happy about any part of your medical care at that point, right? No, no, I wasn't. I mean, the first surgery, uh, I guess they had to fuse me because uh, I had broke my back so badly coming off my horse in the mountains above Libby, Montana that night that I, uh, it, 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 it was a burst fracture at T8 and uh, they, or T12 rather, and they thought, they first tried to glue it together and and then they kept x-raying me every almost every hour for the next two, three days, waiting for that adhesion to, to take, you know, to, to, to um, restabilize the vertebra that was broken, T12. Right. But instead of stabilizing that, the whole thing started to fall apart. And that's when they rushed me into an emergency surgery and they fused me. Uh, to stabilize that. So I suppose that was a necessary surgeon be surgery because it was a major traumatic event that caused the, the, the breaks, et cetera. So, but the others uh, for pain to reduce pain were totally unnecessary. Right. And so, uh, that, that, that does piss me off. <laughs> right. So, and the, and the problem is we know that anxiety and anger are inflammatory states and pain is a signal, but anxiety is a reaction and anger is also a reaction. So what happens, it fires up your whole nervous system and makes the pain worse. So what I want to do in the next little bit, Mark, is to talk about, again, you developed diabetes and you developed cancer. And what the medical science research now shows is that both of those are functions of being under chronic stress. And so that doesn't make you very happy either when you realize that probably both of these diseases probably weren't necessary either. Right, right. Well, so, it also cost me my marriage and right. a whole bunch of other things. So one stressor leads to other stressors is what happens. Right. Uh, the first stressor causes you to have a compromised state and that leads to another, more stressors and on and on and on it, and it snowballs. Right. So just in the big picture, it's been 2014, I think is when you started to go through Omega, had a huge factor. 
When Mark went back to work again, he was out there with chainsaws, tractors, horses. I mean, he went from nine hours as of surgery being recommended or 12 hours to no surgery. He really going back to full- Two, two days physical. of surgery I'm were sorry? recommended. The, the surgeon who offered me the blue plate special said that it could take two days. Right. Two surgeons, one working from my front and the other one from my back, and it could take up to two days is what he told me. Right. Right. And then again, from a purely research data standpoint, as you know, it makes no sense. So we have that issue to deal with. But again, with everything going on in your life, you're under tremendous stress. And there's a stress scale called the Holmes stress scale. You can look, up, look it up on the internet and Tom will put that up on the show notes, where if you have a certain amount of stress points, over 300 stress points, that you'll have an 80% chance of a major illness within two years. And so I had a friend of mine in Seattle who is under tremendous amount of stress. And we basically took a little stress scale, measured them. It's like death of a spouse, divorce, change in jobs, all sorts of things get assigned stress points. So remember, 300 points or more, your chance of developing a serious illness is about 80%. His stress score was 463. Guess what? He has a lymphoma or cancer of his spine. So yeah. it's a big deal. So again, it's not psychological. It changes your body's chemistry or your physiology to a survival mechanism and you're consuming resources just to survive. You're not able to defend yourself against viruses and bacteria and cancer cells. And then of course you end up with diabetes also, which is also in, in an adult setting considered an inflammatory process. So you and I know had a conversation a few years ago when we talked about stress and disease, and I had not realized that you had these two other additional issues. Um, that probably didn't make you very happy either. Uh, I'm sorry, what didn't make me happy? <laughs> Understanding the link between the diseases and illnesses you have in chronic stress. Well, no, of course it, it's unsettling. And, and, and the problem is that it's very difficult once you once you get all these stressors assembled and they're operating on you, it's difficult to get rid of them right away. So yeah, of course it does not make you very happy because you feel stuck. You feel uh, defeated. You feel uh, that there's no way out. To me, it felt like the whole world was closing in on me. It was almost like losing my sight right. uh, from the margins of my division. So uh, yes, of course I was not happy during that whole period. So and Mark, furthermore, it affected the people around me. And that doesn't make you happy either. So it's right. just a snowballing effect. Right. So Mark and I share something in common. Neither one, of us are, neither one of us are that enlightened in a way. So I don't know about you, Mark, but this all pisses me off. I mean, I lost 15 years of my life. It cost me a marriage. Yeah. I developed some serious problems over the years. And when you look back on it, it really... I mean, life does what it does. I mean, life is stressful, but we become very good and very skilled at developing bad coping skills. You know, we develop these survival skills. They're not very helpful to our health or our life. And nobody teaches us otherwise. So we become very skilled at being dysfunctional. And so when I look at my life and how I handle things back then compared to what I know now, my life would have been totally different if just somebody had taught me these skills clear back in middle school or even elementary school. And so mm -hmm. when I look back on things, plus when I get better, I went through medical care for 15 years myself, 
even be a, even being a physician, nobody was helping me out. And so I spent 15 years in this hole that was pretty darn miserable with no way out. I came out sort of by accident. And so when I look back on this, it's still even as, even as I'm talking to you, I'm not that happy about it. I don't think you feel much different than that. No, I don't. I don't. And uh, of course, the um, current problems of the world aren't helping any either. So right. they're, yeah. So anyway, the, so, so the main thing I want to point out, we're going to talk about this in the second podcast, a little bit more detail, but in general, you've had some really good times. Your pain's been pretty minimal. You stayed functional since for a long time, ever since we, ever since 2014. But the message I'm trying to give to the audience is that, again, your, your learning skills to process stress effectively, so you spend less time in fight or flight physiology. And so stress has always come. There's always going to be flare-ups. Um, sometimes your coping skills are down. Sometimes the stresses are just too big. So yeah, you, you go back into the hole. And what we're going to talk about on this podcast is a very specific set of episodes that last happened the last couple of years with Mark, where not only did his pain come back, it came back just as bad as it was before everything started. And as I talked him through this process, I'm going, I mean, I've done this with hundreds and hundreds of patients. They get better. Then they have a flare-up that was just as bad as it was before. could last for a few weeks, sometimes several months. And I go, look, your brain got there once. It's going to get back there again. I never know how it's going to work or what time frame it is. And guess what? Every time people do come back out of the hole, that includes me also. So anyway, um, Mark, just any final comments? We're going to talk about some of the specific instances in the next podcast here with you about your whole journey over the last um, five years. Um, any particular comments to the audience just about your whole journey and stress and life perspective? Any, any final thoughts here for a second? Well, no, the, only the inevitability of stress. I mean, in the world that we live in, uh, especially, um, of course, we're going to have stresses and stressors. And um, I, 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 <laughs> I don't know what to say here, except that the doc program gave me the teal, the tools to deal with those stressors and um, to break that vicious cycle of stressors causing pain, causing more, more stressors, causing more pain and on and on and on. It's a feedback loop. Right. And you break that feedback loop with the tools from the doc program. So um, I guess the lesson is expect the relapses, expect that they're gonna be bad, but don't forget the tools that you've learned and apply them. And that's what we're, I guess, going to talk about in the second session, correct? Yeah, we're talking about some of the specific things you've gone through over the last couple of years that have been pretty intense. And we, we went through a couple of them together here over the last little bit. So to me, it's always um, right. a little nerve wracking, too. You know, I want you to be better, of course. But it's, but it's such a personal, individual thing. It's, it's really incredibly personal. But, but the, again, I want to emphasize the fact that people say, I want to be out of chronic pain. Well, again, life comes at us pain is inevitable it's this suffering on top of it that actually makes us miserable it's the anxiety and frustration is what makes us miserable all of it can sort of deal with physical pain but it's that mental pain the frustration the fired up nervous system that really makes your lives pretty darn miserable 
And like I said, it affects all parts of her life, especially close relationships. So this quality of life is the anxiety and anger that really take, at least take me out of the game. And so what you, what Mark said really clearly is that you're learning tools to process stress more effectively and it helps you to keep moving forward. Avoiding stress, by the way, is not good. Suppressing stress is even worse. And then it's sort of funny because in medicine, I think we hold people out the idea that we're going to solve your chronic pain and life is going to be great afterwards. And I'm not sure that concept comes from, but it's just not life. It's not reality. It's not realistic. So anyway, Mark does have a great story. Really borders on miraculous. And I feel honored to be a part of it. I feel like, I will say, I feel like my suffering was worth it to be able to give it back. That'll say. I'm still not happy I went through it, but I'm happy to be able to give it back. And so that's been a real honor and privilege for me. And of course, Mark, we've gotten to know each other really well. And uh, so I, we certainly enjoyed the friendship. But yeah, it's uh, it's been an inspiring story. Mark's a great guy. And his stories, if you get a chance to get to read his books, Cry Collar Hari is his main one. Um, these are unbelievable stories. Unbelievable. So anyway, Mark, thank you. And we'll talk again in a few minutes about the uh, some of the details of the last couple of years. I welcome it, David. Thank you. I'd like to thank our guest, Mark Owens, for being on the show today and for sharing aspects of his journey through chronic pain and the healing insights he gained from it. I'm your host, Tom Masters, reminding you to be back next week for another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. And in the meantime, be sure to visit the website at www.backincontrol.com. Thanks for listening today and join us next week for Back in Control Radio.